Alrighty. Hello, hello. So I'm getting everybody tagged on Facebook right now, and I've also sent out the tweets. Yeah, yes. We should do uh, at some point is start uh, pre-advertising this during the beginning of the day. But I know that'd probably be useful. Yeah. Useful. We'll, we'll eventually get to that. <laughs> so uh, hello, we, I am Nicole Alonzo, and this is the Filmmaker Roundtable. Um, guys, want to introduce yourselves? Right, I'm uh, Oklahoma Ward writer, director, Crawler Die, a couple of Pornhub movies, and then uh, Crawler Die Two, and then uh, Nicole. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, and then. Uh, David, go ahead. I'm to get a cough. <laughs> well, that's got to be good, isn't it? Yeah, my name is uh, David Wilde. I'm a filmmaker, writer, uh, actor. Um, currently making a series called Crime Lord. So, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Martin. Smiggy, how's it going? Hey, Martin. <clears throat> good uh. to see you. So yes, we, uh, we've decided we're doing these kind of like a weekly thing we were on last week. Um, and we're also, so David uploaded the last week to his podcast also, which um, <coughs> we he tweeted a link to, which I reposted. If you guys ever want to listen to these, like on your drive or something, um, we'll be uploading these to his podcast as well. So we're just going to be, yeah, just talking about movies. Yeah, and, and I think that if this is something, I kind of like the impromptu, kind of messy <laughs> but uh if it seems to be something that we all just keep enjoy doing uh we might kind of hone it down a little bit more um as get a little bit more slick yeah yeah but i kind of like it this way too i mean you know yeah because uh, we all are i know that you're right in the middle of what you're doing and uh we are too and I am sure that there's going to be times that that's why I go. I, I kind of don't want to try to make it an exact date and time every time because being yeah. independent, you know how it is. I mean, if I'm working with an actor and their job doesn't let them off in time, you know, you got to take it as it comes. Yeah. I mean, these guys are shooting. I was shooting today. So we just roll with it and whatever, you know, that's the way it is, you know. Man. But I think consistency doing these things. Is is important yeah. when I do it. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, excuse me for a second. I'm not taking a shot. This is medicine for my throat, so I can stop coughing. You know. And I am so, taking yeah, this. I mean, so, this is a, this no, is, this is a rough show. It looks like a shot, but it's actually cough medicine. <laughs> um. Well, I think one of the things we thought we might talk about a little bit, Nick, if you want to go into, I think the subject that we might have an overall umbrella of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, so I, I think we were just basically going to talk about how how you can sort of be doing doing what we do in filmmaking and how to, I guess, make a living out of it, or can you, or what we're doing take steps towards that. <coughs> Sorry. Hey, Janet. Hi, Janet. See, you, you've got my cough, Nikki. I got a tickle. It's my cat, probably. All right, okay. <clears throat> um. But yeah, I don't... So I I don't know who wants to start on this, but... Um, well, I'll, I'll start, and then... He's uh, We'll see everybody is, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting question um, because uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started, which is, you know, you can say anybody in the world can make a movie today or somebody can make a song. I mean, you, you can download the programs, you can, you can make something on your iPhone, and uh, that's a whole nother discussion on what is a film anymore and what is a song can you just make something and and put it out there and does that mean you are a director i, I mean maybe 
Uh, I think there could be arguments made on both sides. But one thing that uh, doesn't get discussed a lot, uh, and this this you could I, you could even throw Nicole and I in this. Uh, we don't do it as some other filmmakers do it. Uh, celebrations are being made of if people raise money. But they do a fundraiser and they raise money and that becomes the celebration like okay well that's how that's how uh, you make money or hey I, I finished the movie and that becomes a celebration but what doesn't get talked about is how do you make money at that and it is a very challenging thing um, uh, I'm I'm not sure I would I would bet that the majority of filmmakers that even get some sort of distribution deal or put something on YouTube and get a whole bunch of plays, they're probably not making a living at that. <clears throat> you know, they probably have a second job or a third job um, to pay the bills, put food on the table. Yeah, I think that's for most aspects of it, too. I mean, I know most actors usually that's why they're bartenders or they're waiters, because those jobs are flexible in order to allow them to work. Um, so it's, but I know that's eventually the goal, obviously, is to do this to get to a point where we can be making a living at it. And I know for me, when I say that, of course, everyone dreams of like making huge money and everything, but it would just be nice to like, not have to work at anything else and just do this. And if I can keep the lights on and feed my cat, then I'm, I would be happy basically doing this. But. Well, and I'd love to hear David talk about this because he'll come he'll come at it from a, another perspective also, but I can say for a fact, from our perspective, um, doing our movie, which we uh, did a couple of uh, fundraisers for Crawl or Die, and then we did sign a kind of Hollywood standard uh, distribution deal to where we got international distribution, got put on TV in places, we got put on direct TV, all these traditional places, and at the end of the day, uh, there was no way we could make a living off of what we made off of it. Um, we made a, a certain amount of money that if that was given to us for one year, but we got paid that amount of money over three years. And when you averaged it out, it was way less than poverty. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I also know for a fact, there's a very close friend of mine who's another director who has made a film that has names in the movie signed a traditional deal and netflix just offered them fifty thousand dollars for it i mean and you can't make a living off that not long term yeah yeah there, i mean you i mean i guess you could uh say um if you got fifty thousand dollars would that be enough for spending a year out of your life making a movie and all hey, your money. expenses and all that you know i don't know I mean, it is a tough if, I guess if you made thing. a project a year and got paid 50000 a year, but that's not the reality in our world. Like, normally, if you're making a project, that's a lot to put out in a year, <coughs> you know, a yeah. full movie to be distributed. Because once it's distributed, that's not, that also is a process. So it's not like you, it's not like you just throw it out, like, to get distributed. Well, well and let's be clear on this. Netflix is probably still at the top of the platform chain, and 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 most people aren't. The, the only reason Netflix picked them up is because they had names, um, yeah, it, cameos. Most of us don't have that, so we're probably going to have to go with somebody like you know an Amazon or Hulu, which don't pay money up front, 
<laughs> I think they pay you anywhere from like 17 cents a view. Mm -hmm. And uh, you think about that. I mean, you, you know, you're not going, you're, you're not going to make a living off that. Yeah. So, uh, and then I actually respect what you're doing, David, because I know that's probably a way that if what, like I've noticed your views have jumped up in a huge way since you've been putting all this work in and it's, it's finally starting to pay off for you as far as that. And I know YouTube is a way, I don't know how much money that comes from that, but is that something that you've noticed is something you could be viable for the future or? No, um, in terms of YouTube, for me, um, I think, it, first of all, I think it comes back to, okay, when you're creative and how you're going to make a living and you have to, again, know what you want to do and whatever. Right. For me, it's almost like... Um, a lot of people do a job they don't really like and they maybe earn 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 a year and they don't like the job, right? Yep. So, I mean, I'm, I'm reversing it here first. It's like, for me, it's never about, I'm going to make huge amounts of money. It's like, can I do the job that is a comfortable income that people, a lot of people have, middle class, whatever, but I'm doing something that I love, that I don't do yep. something that I, I dislike, and you do it for the, and if you're doing it via the internet, yeah, and it's going to grow each year probably. So you're going to go up and go up and go up. And you need to grow because if you need to finance movies and stuff, you're going to do it yourself. But for me, in terms of talking about Amazon and stuff like that, I'm, I'm on Amazon, same as you guys. I could have hundreds of thousands of views around the world on Amazon, but don't make any money. You know, yep. it's not, don't make any money because Amazon pays like a, a penny or something every yep. So, But I always knew that Amazon was to be... You know, if people want to see it around the world and they want to watch it on their television, their tablet, they don't want to watch it on YouTube, it's there. You can see it. It gives you a little bit of prestige. It's on there. Yeah. YouTube is more engagement. It's more social engagement. More social engagement leads to people following on your social accounts. It can lead to people going to your website, buying a poster, buying a T-shirt, credit, whatever. Um, yeah. So for me, YouTube is not um, about making uh, – it's not about – look, a lot of YouTubers are on YouTube to make money through advertising and – nine other income streams that they do you know um for me it's never i never even thought about making any money on youtube or any of these platforms it's almost to me it's a bit personal brand building over a long period of time and if you get enough people that like what you're doing you look back you go oh, i've got quite a lot of people there maybe they'll buy this maybe they'll buy that but it's 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 years and years and years of building that first like giving stuff and giving stuff and giving stuff like back to Gary Vaynerchuk, we talk about give shit, give, you know, uh, constantly give, give, give. And, and look, look, as filmmakers, we're probably the, the, I'm talking, I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about filmmaking community in general. We're probably the worst at this. All, you know, YouTubers and Instagrammers and TikTokers have been doing, well, YouTubers anyway, and Instagrammers have been doing shit for years where they've been building huge audiences making content and then earning large amounts of money through advertising through multiple streams and yeah. then so they, they they make a lot of money doing that and film independent filmmakers don't make anywhere near the money man we fucking know that we don't we're really yeah. shit yeah. doing that but to be fair to us it's it, it, it's it can be much easier to do a youtube video or a tiktok video when you're making a fiction film, you get actors and locations and film, you know, it takes time, it costs money. So it's not the same. You're not pumping out content every day. Right. Um, that's no that's no dismissing YouTubers either, because they can they're consistently making content every day. That is still just a, that is a lot of hard work. Yeah. So for me, it's getting the balance between building your own sort of little personal media 
brand like YouTubers or Instagram is side by side with your fiction content. You can't just have the one. I think if you just want to be a filmmaker, you just want to make your films. Unless you're churning out 20 films a year and you're building that way, a lot, a lot of content. So for me, it's, it's all about content. It's all about um, uh, attention. It's all about, you know, that is the, you know yourself, you've got enough numbers there. If you get really a hardcore amount of people, somebody's going to buy this, they're going to buy in, and they're going to buy an experience, and they're going to buy into come an event you're at. I mean, we, we've seen it. We know how it works. We know how people make money online now. Yeah. Um, but it's like you say, I'm not into the celebration of raising money. That's not a celebration to me. That's not like, oh, I've raised 50,000, 100,000 through Kickstarter. That's amazing. You never hear about the fucking film again. It's just a celebration of the, the raising money. That's yeah. not a, a long term. That's not how you make money because all that money goes into the film. And, you know, and that's not, you know. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh... You're absolutely right. And, it, and you know, I was thinking about I can never remember uh, the gentleman's name. It was Freddie, somebody who was a famous guy on YouTube that did all the special effects. And, you know, he was, he was making a lot of money and really good content. You could tell he's putting a lot of work in. He was putting out these fantastic – he even got, like, a commercial deal off of it to do a commercial. And, and there were certain stars that would come on and be on his stuff. And he was making a good living and had the freedom to do what he wanted to do. And I remember uh, the movie company uh, wanted to offer him, it was a multi-million dollar movie deal to make a movie, and he turned it down and it made headlines everywhere. Because even he was like, dude, yeah, they offered me a $2 million budget and they were going to pay me $70,000 to direct it. And he was like, and that was over two years. Well, now you're down to 30000 something. He was like, I make that in a month. On my YouTube, yeah, and I have the freedom to make what I want, and I think maybe it comes down again to what you said in the beginning, which is what are you wanting to do? You know, <coughs> you could make a certain type of movie and make a really nice living off of directing stuff that goes straight to the Sci-Fi Channel, and that's not me putting down the Sci-Fi Channel, but mm -hmm. you know, it's your Sharknados and stuff like that. And um, and uh, I have a friend of mine who who did one of those movies on the Sci-Fi Channel, and he got a really nice paycheck for it. But he did say, "Listen, they you got five people behind you, and they give you a <laughs> script, and you know it, it's a tight schedule, and you make exactly what they're wanting." And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, you know. I, I'm just um, if you're going to be independent in your John Cassavetes type style and go, I want to make what I want to make and how I want to make it. Uh, you're going to come down to, I think the same thing that Nikki and I always fall back on, which is how, how are you, how are you going to make a living at this or, or, or is this your life uh, for the rest of your life and, and how you're doing it right now? Will that oh, work? We go yeah. Back to I will, yeah. I will we, say, that is one of the reasons that we're taking a little time on this one is we made a decision after Crawler died when we did this one is we went, we can make it the same way. And where we realized that a large chunk of the money that could have gone to us was eaten up by things that we didn't provide for that company, that they had to pay other companies to do legitimate things, you know, giving them stems in stereo, giving them, mixing it in 5.1, you know, that alone was 
for them to do the 5.1 makes it $80,000. Whereas this time, if we give them everything, mm -hmm. uh, or as much as we can, um, that number that we got paid would have grown, and we go, we wouldn't be rich, but we go, if we could have knocked off four or five of those things, uh, that is a way that we could make more money, a living Yeah, at it. Not a great living. We're still probably going to have to have a 12 year old car, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and not take vacations. But the trade-off is what you said, David, and I've worked many of those jobs. I can go work a job that I hate. I mean, hate mm -hmm. and make the same amount of money. Or I could do this, something I love doing and make of a, a decent living, keep the lights on and have a couple hundred bucks at the end of the month. And I've also noticed this a lot with actors. I've seen it. It's more so it happens in LA, I guess, but I've seen it here too, where actors are like, you know, don't work for free and you should get paid. And mm -hmm. I, I have an opinion on this and then I'd love to hear your guys' opinion, especially David, cause I know you're an actor as well. Um, in my opinion, like, I think they have this idea that they deserve to be paid. And obviously, it'd be nice to be paid for your work. But I go, I guarantee you, the reason all these actors in L.A. have jobs and work two and three bartending jobs and all that stuff is because even if you're working in the system and you get a job as an extra holding a door, you're working for a 12-hour day getting paid $100. So in my opinion, I've always felt like I would rather work in indie films and have the chance to get roles that are more meaty and that I can actually work and do something on than just the guy that's holding the door um, and not get paid. And then once you work your way up through that, you eventually can hopefully get to a place where you're getting roles that you can get paid and you're getting on projects that do have a budget, but your name would earn that. So once you have a name for yourself and your name brings something to the project, as far as if you're in it, they can get a deal off your name then yeah, of course, you should expect to be paid something. But a lot of these younger actors or new actors, not necessarily young, but just newer actors, they they get in this mindset that like, why am I not being paid, you know, a wage for this work? And it's like, look, because there's a million people that want to do this job. And if that's what you want to do, then go to Hollywood for a year and try it and see how, see how much money you make, even in Hollywood in a studio system. Like you're going to make nothing. So I've always found it was more interesting to me to just, I'd rather work indie film and get the chance to have a lead role that in Hollywood I would never have right now because I don't have a name right now. So I'm like, okay, so I'm getting paid nothing, but I'm a lead and I get to do this role versus I'm holding a door in Hollywood and getting paid a hundred dollars for 12 hours. And I, I get a piece of pizza. I'm like, no, thanks. You know, I don't know how, if you've run into that, David, or if you've no, run you, into you hear that all the time actors uh, yeah. encourage other actors or filmmakers and go, um, or you, you don't do that if you don't get paid yet. Yeah, you're right, you don't do that because you don't get paid. You're, we have to fight for this. Hey, well, that's fine if you want to do that, but it's a supply and demand game, you know. And the supply and demand is if you go into the, you know, online, you're looking for a plumber, and uh, there's only so many plumbers in the area, then they can charge 50 bucks an hour or whatever. But you don't open up looking for the services of an actor the same way. There's another. There's a million. There's a million actors. You throw a stone. You hit a filmmaker. You hit an actor. It's no. Nobody's really demanding them. So it's not like if you go into that looking for actors. There's thousands and thousands and thousands. So it's didn't supply and demand. It's didn't look if there was a shortage of actors, right? And there was more productions than there was actors. Then you can say, 
I don't just want paid, I want this amount, right? It doesn't work like that. There's much more actors than there is films, and there's much more films than there is finance. And so we're not we're in the creative industries here. Rent everybody likes to talk about art and well, you know, art means that you're usually a fucking starving artist for year, artist for years. You know, yeah. but everybody's so used to the creative industries as a business and it's paid and that's fine. But you better have something hot about you then, whether it's a, a large right. social media following exactly. or you better be really good or you better bring something to the table. It's like, yeah, um, right. I, I, again, I don't want to bring some of the people that I cast, but they're usually some of them are bringing something to the table that maybe if they don't get the top, they're not brilliant as some of their actors, but they're bringing something else, you know. Um, so it's supply and demand. It's like again, if there was just a, if there was, if there was, if there was so little actors and more demand, then the actors could charge anything, never mind getting paid. But it doesn't work like that. The acting business has always been ninety five percent unemployment because there's too many. Yeah, right. No, and, and, and hey, look, and it is changing fast. Uh, example: When I first did Isolation, I think, my God, that was twenty years ago. Look, um, I even had. I'm not even sure MySpace was there yet. It might have just been in the very beginnings of it, but um, Same I had to make my own web page, and <laughs> uh, it was one page. And uh, I put out a call when I was in Austin that I had four roles for an independent film, no pay. Uh, I had never done anything, so I couldn't even say I'd done this movie or this movie. I had no footage because. I'd never shot anything before, and I had actors <coughs> flying in, wanting that part. Because back then, making a film, and, and there was no DSLR camera, I happened to have a friend of mine who had access to a Hollywood high-definition camera that I was going to get to use for two months. So I was going to be able to make a, a film. But, that, but again, that's that supply and demand. Not anybody and everybody could go out there and make a film. So it was a rare thing. Now you're right. I mean, my postman is making a movie. You know, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. like oh, you thing, made, we're making, yeah, and, my friends and I are making a movie. And I go, okay. And the thing <laughs> is, if you get a part in something, right, let's face it, when you're starting out, especially, right, if you get a part in something, it's usually for a few days or something. So you're not going to pay your rent yet. You're not going to change your life with the amount of money that comes from that. Nothing. Yeah. So you already have to have an infrastructure in your life where you earn a living through a job or a business that you've got. Like most of the people I work with have got businesses, their own businesses. So they don't need to worry about paying their rent. So they, they've got more creative freedom to have fun. So they actually get bigger roles in people that need to pay their rent. People that need to pay their rent I can never see because so the point is the more that you demand that you have money to pay your rent, the more chance the more independent films and roles you're gonna miss. Because right. those roles usually last a few days. You don't get paid a huge amount. Even if you get paid the union rate, you're still not going to have enough money to yeah. uh, focus. Because it's maybe a film once every six months where you get $1,000 or $5,000. That's not going to So you have to have some other job or some other business. That's where you earn your money. And then if somebody gives you a role, you go, I don't need to worry about much money on that role because I'll pick the, I'd rather go for the good role because my money's okay. That's the way Stevie's done it with me over here. Stevie's got his own business. So I've always wrote for Steve, so he's actually got a great portfolio of acting where a lot of people that came to me over the years, they don't have a portfolio of acting because they go, I have to wait until it's the, the right money. And it's like, it doesn't work like that in business. It doesn't yeah. work like that. So, but I think you can wait up if you demand that you need this money. Um, you, you, you wait up who you're going to work with. Can you get something from it? You know, but in terms of getting back to how do you make a living 
acting, filmmaking, and the whole thing is, I, th I think people still want to do shortcuts. The long-term thing is that people follow people, people invest in people that are consistent, that are, don't give up, they build and they grow. And if you build and you grow, the internet has shown that, that if you've got 100,000 people, well, if you've got 1,000 people, 500 people, that's 100,000, then, look, put it, put it this way, right? You know, I've got no audience. That's the way, I'm not delusional, right? I've got no audience. But maybe a few years ago, if I was tweeting something out to try and get somebody to buy a poster, it would maybe happen once every two weeks. If I tweet something tonight, a few times when somebody's interested in a post on the credit. I could usually, if I, if I put it out a few tweets, I can usually get maybe once once a day or every few days, somebody will buy something. That was yeah. impossible years ago. Now, yeah. I'm not, but I don't hardcore put it, stuff like that. I don't, I try to just give, I'm going to give my stuff on YouTube for free. Now, in a few years, I might be in a position that if I'm tweeting stuff out, then 50 people might buy something in the one day, you know, and then, do you know what I'm saying? It's just a numbers game and we know that. Whether you're a filmmaker, whether you're an artist, whether you're an actor, whether you're a musician, whatever, it's a numbers game. So I think the long term has to be, the, the, the money is the byproduct of uh, building and creating something. Like the, the richest guys on the planet that build Twitter and it doesn't make any money for years and Facebook never made any money for years. You're, you're, but you've got to give something. And then if people, you get something from people, they're going to give you back in some way. I mean, we've known that. We've known that for a long time, but independent filmmakers seem to think it's always this way. Oh, I, can't, I, I hear it every day and I can't believe it that people are like, I'm trying to get this for me, but I can't get the money. And it's like, well, what have you done? Nothing. Well, there's a fucking phone just going straight. You have to start building. And that's how yeah. you learn. You don't deserve any money at the moment because you've got nothing to offer. Yeah. You know I mean, it's like, why are you thinking about the money if you're an artist? If you're an artist, artists don't care about money. They're lunatics. You just yeah. want to go and fucking shoot something and make something. Then you're not. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's well, the money know, will it, come if you, it, if, it, you know. I believe it, that you know. Um, it's it's the two, two things to to kind of back up what you're talking about is that we were watching. Who are we watching, Nikki? Oh, it was Jonah Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill. And uh, <laughs> I've always liked Jonah Hill. Um, I you know I, I I never used to go out of my way to like oh he's in a movie I gotta watch it. But I've always enjoyed everything he's done. Actually, I think he's way more talented than. I gave him credit for when I first started seeing him and stuff, but we watched an interview with him and I, and I became a huge fan of his when, how did he word it? He was, well, he was, he was giving an interview on inside the actor's studio and one of the actors asked him a similar question to what we're talking about. Basically like, how do you make money or was it your goal starting out or something to make money? And he was like, when I started out, I just wanted to make things. He's like me and my friends, like every weekend would go out mm -hmm. with a little shitty video camera and just go make projects. He was like, that's yeah. why I do this. He said, if you're in this for any other reason besides that you just need to make something, you're in the wrong business. Get out. Mm -hmm. He was like, because that's where it has to start is you have to have the passion and the drive. And this is how, like, all you want to do is do this. And he's like, and then the money will come. Like you said, he was like, but I never was in this to go. I want to be famous. Or I want to be rich. He was like, I was in this because I had to make something. Mm -hmm. And I go, yeah, I think that's the point. I think, that's true. I think if you're in this to make money, then there's a lot easier ways to make money. Than I, do, I do know that there was a there was a there was a time after isolation because I knew how much work we put into that. And at that time, the gatekeepers were film festivals. And the crazy thing is that ended up costing us more money because <clears throat> of paying all the fees and all that. 
And then we realized, you know, film festivals are no different than distributors. They need more high profile movies in them to get patrons to pay to go to the film festivals. Film festivals are businesses, yeah. They are businesses. And uh, we almost went broke paying uh, film festival fees. And when we didn't get in any of them, of course, you know, we did the same thing. We, we went to all the top tier film festivals. And believe me, back then there was a thing called Without a Box. And you had to join that service and it listed all the film. And there were thousands of film festivals. And, uh, you know, we were like, here's the top 20 and, and spent all the fees and spent all the money and, and uh, didn't get in any. And we were just flummoxed going, you know, I, I've seen some stuff and this is this is a decent movie. Hey, Craig. And that's when, uh, after I did Crawl or Die, I remember when I was putting it together, I went, now, wait a minute. This is, this is, I don't know if you've ever done this, David, but I can start working on a project that I've done, and I can know about halfway through the edit if it's going to be just okay or if it might be kind of good. And yeah. I, I had that honest talk with myself with Crawl or Die, and I was like, look, for a small independent film, this is good. And I went, the truth is, I, I don't know how to get this out there to where I can make money. And that's when that time, instead of going film festival route and uh, doing all that, that we decided to spend the money on getting a consultant. Now, that was a big choice, and it's still a controversial decision that some people can make an argument that you don't need to do that. But for us, what he did do was help us navigate how to make some money off of what we had. And to his credit, uh, we did. Now, he, I do remember he had a, the same thing that we keep coming back to is he sat Nicole and I down in the very beginning and he said, what's your goal? Do you want to make money or do you want to get it out there and get an audience and do you want it to be seen? Um, he was like, because there's no middle ground. You need to make that decision right now. And I knew, I knew what it was. He was like, you can sell it outright and just give it to somebody and you'll get a lump sum of money right then but you are not in control of it they want to cut it up if they want to however, whatever they want to do is what they want to do with it and we made the decision <coughs> to try to get to a large audience and make it be seen and to his point he put us in the right direction and we were able to get that done and make a tiny bit of money now this time we went oh no we want to make money on it this time <laughs> that's what we went we went we want to make money on it this time i and um so he kind of told us what we had to do, all of that, knowing that that's still a gamble. It's still, you know, you have to put something together good and you have to have something, whether it's good or not, that those people feel they can make money off of, no matter what it is. And- um, Well, look, look, I was talking about, I'm trying to get a budget film made, right? And people have asked me, how do I get a budget for a movie? I've got a really great movie idea. Well, I'm not talking about a little phone movie. I'm talking about a proper movie and a proper budget. Again, they've done fuck all right. right. Um, but so my point is, and people say, this is, but this is my passion project. It's passionate. I'm so passionate about it. You've got to accept the fact that nobody gives two flying fucks about your passion project, right? Right. Um, when you go in front of your producer, whether it's a big producer that does big movies, um, you've got to assume right away they are not interested in you in the fucking no. slice. Why would anybody just take twenty million out of the back pocket and go, you know, and there you go for your passion project? 
No. <laughs> they want, when you talk to them, they want to see fucking pound dollar signs going in yep. their eyes like that. When you pitch something and go, this could be, you know, so you better bring something to the fucking table that potentially can make people a lot of money, like five times the amount, 10 times the amount, 20 times the amount. If you don't bring that, forget it. It's a business yeah. game. Why would like, yeah, so but we're talking about low-level filmmaking. We're doing indie, no budget, what we're doing. But if you're going to go to other levels, you better be an individual that can potentially excite people, excite yep. producers, excite that they want to invite you in that door, that you yep. think they can make money. And my point I'm trying to come back today, whatever you want to do, it's probably not a good point that I've made there. You know, a waffle off in this way and that way. But what point I'm trying to make, I think you have to have quite a few hats as well if you want to do multiple revenue streams. I mean, I want to be an actor as well. Um, I want to make bigger movies, but not just to make bigger movies. I actually want to make... I'm, I'm fine the rest of my life that I can make little iPhone fucking movies. I can do that. But if I can get a bigger movie, it's like you were saying, somebody gives me 20 million, am I going to be a millionaire? No. I'm probably going to get 100,000 or 200,000. Yeah. And I'm going to be involved with that movie for two years or more, you know, so when that breaks down and then your taxes, that's not a lot of money for a big project. But but no. a big project is a fucking dream because your profile can go through the roof. If that's it right. Does well, and then you can use that profile we online and bring it back to your small work. That think about it. Make, that goes you know, right back to what you were saying about actors. You know, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's so funny. You're absolutely right. The distribution company, the butt crawler, die. The main guy never even watched my movie. Not once. Never watched it. Never seen it. Uh, and then when we had, uh, uh, there were three producers that came together from the Entertainment One company uh, that sat down to talk to us. And the first thing they said when we all first had the first meeting, they wanted to be involved in the sequel. The first thing out of their mouth was, are you ready to make some money? <laughs> and, I, and of course, me, at that, at that stage in my life, I was like, no, nah, I'm ready to make a really good movie then. And literally, <laughs> when we got off that meeting, my consultant went, hey, uh, don't ever say that to them again. <laughs> ever. Mm -hmm. Ever. Mm -hmm. What that mm -hmm. tells them is you, you, you'll, you'll trash the project to make a good movie. Do you, do you know why? Do you know why? A good movie is subjective. Yeah. That's right. A, you can watch a movie and say it was really good, and somebody else watches it and go, I don't like that. That's yeah. shit. Yeah. So good movies yeah. no good. What is a good movie? Exactly. You could watch those some of those Oscar movies, a lot of people have never seen them, but they'll have seen well, some big dumb blockbuster. That's a good movie to them. And do you know what? That big dumb blockbuster is a good movie if it's good to them. Yeah, that's right. And well and well and, and I and I think you'll back me up on this. This could come off as I'm putting down those producers and I go, No, they're brilliant. They are really good at their job. Yeah, yeah. The the company that bought my crawler die. I can say it live. They made over a million dollars on my movie. They are brilliant on how they do what they do. Mm -hmm. Where the filmmaker has to get smart is go, how do I get a piece of that? You know, how, you know, because they can justify everything they had to spend to make that amount of money. I think the worst thing about filmmakers is almost like bands over the years. How many bands have you had seen the 1970s and the 1980s yeah. and they had a manager and they get shafted? Because yeah. they just wanted to play, and the management went, and the record company yeah. went away with all the money. Unless they're huge, like you two, they're so big, but so many bands get robbed. So many yeah. filmmakers that in the early days get budget, they just want to just give me a movie budget, and then they'll get shafted because yeah. 
yeah. you know, but this is the beauty of the internet today that you can, but people don't really want to hear that sometimes. They don't want to hear that you can build long term and, you know, um, that what, you know, they still want that big deal. But that big deal is only going to be short lived. Because if you make a fucking 20 million movie that bombs, oh, you're, you're they're not going to get any money again. That's it. You know, that's, uh, that is why you got you got you, you got your filmmaker jail for about fucking ten years or forever. Oh, you know, yeah, you, yeah, absolutely. You know. And of course, that's always the risk. Uh, you know, uh, again, and I'll keep it short because I've gone over it now a thousand times. Uh, when I was getting some of that press for turning down that large budget sequel, uh, it's not that those producers are bad; they were very good. Uh, that thing we're talking about, yeah, it was a large number for the budget of, you know, they still consider a $13 million movie as a independent, independent. film. I mean, that's what's oh, even oh, that, really that's crazy. Like they were like, Look, it's a small little movie, film. it's $13 million. And I was just like, man. And then it came down to, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get paid $85,000 over two years to direct this. And what I thought at that moment was, I went, you know who's really at risk? I know they're going to make their money. They're good at what they do. If it's a piece of crap, there's a million other filmmakers they can have make other yeah. stuff. I'm the one. I'll never be able to go to anybody again. No one ever blames the producers for a shitty movie. Yeah, it's I've always never heard the anybody. director or it's the actors or whatever. Nobody's, have you ever heard that? It's like, man, that movie sucked. Those producers really screwed <laughs> up that fucking movie. This is the famous thing about producers. And look, I've not made. I've only made one saw industry movie. But what they do is, I had a few, a few producers, right? What they'll do is, they'll make a suggestion, a creative suggestion, and can enforce oh. it, right? So they can they can put their, 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 their finger on it, like like. And if the movie does well, they can tell people, "Oh, I I suggested I, that, right?" But if the movie bombs, then. Just them touching something is nothing. No, it's like, their fault. They just push one button. That was all. Meanwhile, it probably was mostly their fault because they're probably back there going like, "We should do this and this." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I will uh, say, I, I think you're. I think you're right. I think one of the things that I would tell uh, a young filmmaker, um, ironically, I think bands might have figured out a thing. Because they can, you know, if you get a million plus views on YouTube, you can make a little bit of money. So if they put out a music video, mm -hmm. they can, they have something that they can do. Very hard for a filmmaker. Most people, you could put a whole movie out right now just on Amazon Prime. And it's hard to get people to go, I'm going to watch that instead of logging on to Netflix and watching all this stuff. If that filmmaker hasn't built up an audience. And I go, I think I would tell them the same thing we've been talking about is, look, if you're in this to make a living man you know you but to <laughs> I, be honest, I, I do it yeah. but, but I, I like what you said is if you can build up your, yourself your brand to where you can have merchandise that you can offer uh you know experiences you know events. Can, can support you, know. you a little bit you know it's not you know twitch streamers we we watch a lot of twitch streamers and you know there there's a guy we follow right now uh, he has 200 people that subscribe to him through Amazon Prime. So he makes, with all his stuff together, he makes about $700 a month. And he loves what he does. All day long, he gets to play games, and that's what he does. And I go, that's kind of 
independent filmmakers need to figure out a way Bro. that they can yeah. have that amount coming in for sure. Yeah. Here's here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. A few years ago, um, I was watching. Is it is it Patreon? Is it Patreon? It's called. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people say, "Why don't you go Patreon?" What? So I experimented with it, right? Yeah. And it, I like to fail with things so that I know it doesn't work, and then how to make things work. But I like to fail fast and cheap and go right. Okay, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Uh, no, I know how. I know why it didn't work. Right? <laughs> I know exactly why it didn't work. Right? If you go to Patreon, right? The people that really earn serious, serious money on there, right, are the people that have got podcast shows, video podcast shows on YouTube for the last 10 years, yeah. right? There was one, there was three guys that had a podcast show and they had 4 million YouTube subscribers. They, they went to Patreon and they were bringing in like $95,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because Absolutely. look, if somebody just gives $1, right, two dollars and if you're a fan most people can afford a dollar a month right that's a huge amount of money that niche is huge if you yeah. go on and you've got fucking 20 subscribers on your youtube channel because you're an indie filmmaker and you don't youtube a lot but 20 fucking people and you go to patreon you get <laughs> one fucking dollar every five years i know and, and you know and that, so if you think thing. about it mathematically it makes sense it's a numbers game yeah absolutely and, and 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 i think i think one of the struggles if you're a filmmaker is how do you pump out that content that those patreon people or your youtube people are going to need and make the project you know i mean yeah that's look, that's that's the it takes that. a lot of time it's almost like um for me this little crime series right um Trying to make it more prolific, trying to get it out there, grow and whatever. But for me, that's still not enough because, like, I'm almost finished the season. This is this is almost took me a year. The last season probably took a few years, so I'm going a bit faster, right? But it's mm -hmm. still out. But I've always wanted to make little films on iPhones, the okay. little shots, and micro-sized things. So I'm trying to get to a place where, especially with this new iPhone, that I can make shots in a day and I can edit in a day. Now, if I can pump out and little stories that I've always wanted to do, not just to make content, it's stuff that I want to do. It's it's more like artistic stuff rather than genre stuff with gangsters and guys and girls with guns. It's more to do with, I want to make this little film about an artist, I want to make this film. And if I can make those films very cheaply and put several a month, shooting on an iPhone, like going to the streets, let's go. That's my way of making the type of YouTube content that can be more prolific and build. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's what I've always been trying to get to micro-size things in, in that sense. And it's the more creative side and you get more creative freedom. But it is about content building. It is about consistency. It is about even us doing these podcasts and well, getting stuff you, out there, you know. Um, it's, it's, even, it's even this far talking about filmmakers. Uh, there's a uh, producer. Uh, his name is uh, Chris. I can't remember his last name, but uh, he's from Pittsburgh, and he was the first producer who latched on to Matt and Ben Affleck. And I remember that he was, I was watching an interview with him, and he said, because everybody was like, this was after Goodwill Hunting, and, and 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 Chris really hadn't done anything. And, and they were like, how did you get them to sign on to you? He said, I started going to them with projects, and he said, built in to me raising funds for the movie i always set aside a comfortable living budget for three years for both of them and he went mm. 
they were so thankful to that. And and I went, the parallel to that is there are two or three guys that are in film school right now and they want to be producers. And they were like, what would be your suggestion if you were a starting out filmmaker that you would want? And I said, okay, let's say that you approached a filmmaker and said, I'll give you $20,000 to make a short. I was like, why don't you include in there now 2000 of that has to go to you to live. I don't want to mm -hmm. see it spent on the deal because as filmmakers, we never do that. We always go, what are you going to give me a hundred thousand? We go, okay, I'll, I'll spend all that on the movie. And you, it, it's hard to go on a Kickstarter or back to a producer and go, I, I need, I need to ask for $15,000 so I can live for the next six months to be able to edit this. Cause I didn't budget in cause you know, it, you never get offered so, money. You put yeah. all that into the project. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it is something. And I look, I say it would be nice if you could learn that lesson as an independent filmmaker to go, if somebody offers you $800, you need to budget out 300 of it for you to live on. Well, but yeah. you never will. You never will. Cause you're like, <laughs> no, you an example. Don't want them to go. I'm not going to pay you to make you you got to struggle just like me. It's like, okay. <laughs> hey, here's an example here. This current episode that I've just done, a crime lord has been sponsored. It wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was enough money to make it. Um, it wasn't yeah. enough money for a wage for me, right? Um, I'm not going to take a wage because there's just enough money to make it. But exactly. there, was a little bit, there was a little bit of money I had to take. Why? Because I've guaranteed a release date uh, next fucking Friday, which I'm almost having a heart attack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why the fuck did I do that? But anyway, cut long story short. So what I did was, it takes me longer to edit because, you know, I've got a day job and do some corporate videos. So I can only yeah. do an hour a night, two hours a night. But it's like this, I have to go full on with it. So, okay, take some money. I can take uh, 10 days off of work and no worry about anything else. And then, and Monday, I'm going to a, a cheap hotel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because my son's at nursery. He's off nursery, so in the home it's too noisy. So I'm going yeah, to yeah. a hotel from Monday just to edit around the clock. Yeah. Now, that's been paid for by the sponsor so that I can finish it on the date that says I'm going to finish it. Yeah. So I've had to take a little bit of money to do that. But that means the thing is delivered, done, whatever. Um, and that uh, there was a what's that filmmaker called? Is it Joe Swansburg? Um, John Swansburg made some like seven feature films in the one year, but he made them very cheap. But he started off, do you know those horror movies, the VHS horror movies that were out a few years ago? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He done one of those and he acted in one. But he done um, uh, he done a few films. He done. He started off and he went to some businesses and they gave him a couple of thousand dollars to do a little film, short film, or a series to promote a business. And he turned it creatively, so he got 2,000 bucks. And uh, what's that? Ty, Ty West is a horror filmmaker. No, yep. Ty West. Yep. Ty West is his friend. And Ty West was doing the same thing at the time. Made for $2,000. He made some for businesses. Yep. He made creative films. Anyway, he'd done a few of them. And because of that, he got some money to do little features. And he'd done seven features in one year. They're all set in one location at four days or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Cut a long story short, this is a few years later. John Swansburg got a deal with Netflix. And he'd done a whole series. And then he got a deal. He's on HBO or something like that. Now he's he's worked his way up because he's constantly making and constantly yeah. doing and starting with nothing. It is a bit fucking doing, do you know what I mean? It really yeah. is. Yeah. It is a bit doing it and creating and building. Because for me, I want to start trying to get some directing gigs and vice and some acting gigs. It really is just, but you can't do that if you're just thinking about, well, how do I make money? You know, yeah. 
Right. No, yeah, and also because, when you're first you know, starting out too, you need that experience. Like I, it's always fascinating to me that these newer absolutely. actors and filmmakers feel like they, they deserve a budget. And I'm like, do you even know what you're doing? Like you haven't done anything. You, you don't know what you're doing. So you need no. to learn and doing well, these projects not only helps your brand and helps you grow your name, but you learn. So when you finally do get to a point where you're making money, you know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> you know how to you know how to be on a set. You know how to work a camera. You know how to be in front of a camera. Well, like, I, that's back to my first film. I got a budget, and that was just pure luck and hustle. But I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I wasn't, you know. And then yeah. I told you I met Robert Rodriguez on a TV show here in the UK. And he looked at me, and he looked white, so fucking depressed. And it's like, <laughs> this made the movie fucking hated, you know. Um, and I went back, and I read his book that everybody was reading that you should read before you meet trying it because he made it for fuck all. Yeah. Um, actually, you're talking about Peter Broderick, right? And I remember being at the Cannes, I'm about a name dropping here, I remember being at the Cannes Film Festival trying to get my first movie made, and I met Peter Broderick. And for anybody watching this, Peter Broderick is a distribution in yeah. America guy. It, it, basically, it, it a company called Next Wave Films, and yeah. if filmmakers can make a film, then they provide distribution money and finishing funds. Yeah, so yeah, they I, used to do that. So I'm, I, I made a film, a, a different version of my first film, and I went to the Cannes Film Festival, I met Peter Broderick, and I remember him sitting in the Palais de Festival, and there was a poster beside him, right? And the poster was, it was this old black and white poster, and I went to my sister, she was with me, and I went, that looks pretty fucking shit. Means he's nice and glossy and colourful, it's going to be in LA, that looks shit. Do you know what the, the, the poster was? It was following me, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't look as if it's going to go fucking anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but my point was, well, I've, I've swayed for there. I've swayed for there. The little story that came into my head. What was the point I was trying to make? What was the, uh, bring me back. Where was I? Um, <laughs> see, I just get, I get fucking swayed there, you know. Um, oh, uh, uh, uh. About, me, about starting out to learn and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my, my first movie, I don't want to keep talking about it because I've talked about it a few times, but in my first movie, I didn't know how to make a fucking movie. I just managed to hustle a budget and I've got a crew in America and uh, I didn't know what a camera and all this. And it made, but inside, I think I went and melted down after that movie. And the reason I went and melted down, I met Robert Rodriguez on a TV show, was promoting the movie, he was doing Spy Kids at the time. I always remember it was a show here called The Big Breakfast. And I looked depressed and, you know, and I, I, I got a little bit speaking to him. And he's like, he's going, it was almost like that scene um, and you know in Ed Wood where Ed Wood runs out and he meets Austin Wells and goes, you go to make your own movie and go to do it your way. It was, it was fucking like that, you know. Yeah. So then I realised, if I come back to this, I went away for years, if I come back to this, I've got to make and start at the bottom so that I know how to do this and do this and I've got to love the process and know oh, I've got a movie deal. I've got, you know, yeah. I'm going to go somewhere. Because I realised I wasn't going to go fucking anywhere because I, I there wasn't enough, I didn't know it enough, or I wasn't skilled enough. So I had to start at the bottom. Do you know what I mean? Hey. So I think you I, still, prepared, you know. I still, I still, because what? Am I wrong? You got a million dollar budget on for that? No, it was uh, it was three hundred and fifty thousand, which is about five hundred thousand, half a million dollar budget. You know. I mean, David. But how? Yeah. I, I, I mean, for our first time out there, like I, this, is just unbelievable <clears> to me. <throat> Like that, that, is, that was some hustle but right there. To, to be honest, I still put the work in in the sense that that nobody was making films back then. There was only like 12 movies made in the UK that year, right? 12, because there was no phones, there was no DSLRs, there was no, right? This shows my fucking age. But what I did do was, 
um, I'd made a play in my small town here. I went to a local business place and says, I want to make a movie and just laugh. But one guy didn't laugh at me. He listened to me. So he says, make a business plan and go make some promotional stuff. Make something promotional that you can present with a business plan. So I ended up raising £7,000 for your friends, family, nothing online because then online didn't exist. Yeah. And I went to Las Vegas for the first day. Uh, is it Sony VX1000 video yep. cameras? They were like the first video cameras. I took two of them. I rented two of them. And I went to LA and I went to Las Vegas. And I shot a promo trailer, which was pretty fucking shit. But if you just point a camera at Vegas and you've got fucking characters running everywhere, yeah, yeah, it, can yeah, look, yeah. it can look good. You know, look like yeah. a movie anyway. And then I got pictures and stills, and I took that to the district uh, sales agent in Soho in London. Soho is where all the Tom companies are. And when I did that, what started to go around in Soho, and it was Guy Ritchie's company, Matthew Vaughan, who's a big director who did Kick-Ass, and he phoned yeah. me. Um, a little buzz got around. I had a poster as well. I had a poster. I had the, the fucking – so seeing a hustle that I, I still put the work in, where people talk today – Oh, I've been on a crowdfunding campaign for 30 days. It's really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. That took me two years to get that promotional thing together. I went to Las Vegas. I went to LA. I went to Cannes twice. I went to Hollywood over two years. That's not a 30-day fucking crowdfunding campaign. That was a two-year fucking, you yeah. know, and that's how I got because I still put some commitment into it. Well, the stuff that I'm doing today and packaging it together, trying to get 20 million, then I go to that. This is all the stuff I've done with fuck all. So you've still got to put the work in. John, yeah. These guys know what I'm going to tell you. These yeah. know what. You, you no, no, no. I, I mean, it's nice to hear because yeah. you forget it. You know, uh, uh, I guess what I guess what we'll I guess how we can just kind of wrap it up and bring it on full circle is uh, don't expect to be rich if you want to do anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> creative, as in probably musicians are in the same boat. I know writers. Are in the same boat. Um, yeah, here's a good thing to wrap it up. One of my favorite filmmakers is Francis Ford Coppola, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody sees him as a god. He made The Godfather. He made Apocalypse Now. Some of the biggest and best movies in cinema history. And then, as you and me talked about this recently, he had yeah. a studio zoetrope and it collapsed because he put all his money into one movie and he collapsed the studio. Francis Ford Coppola is going to fund his hundred million movie. The next one probably from his own funds. Why? Because he's got hotels. He's got a wine business. He sells wine. He's got another business. He's got another job. So if you're an actor and you don't have another business, another job, you want to be a filmmaker. Um, you, you don't always have to, if you, unless you want to build just slowly. You know, I don't want to go out and build a fucking business building houses or selling dildos or some fucking thing to fund my movie, you know. Um, <laughs> I, you know what, I mean, if I have to do that, I'll do that. You know, but do you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, I'll, Try and build slowly this way. Same, I think, what you guys are maybe doing. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. you have to, there's no simple route. I think the route is to have a passion for something and keep creating, keep building, and being consistent. That's the end of it. Yeah. Right. That's, that's it. Where, yeah. That's I mean, because if you're, no. if you're, and, and again, <clears throat> it seems weird to quote somebody like Jonah Hill, but he's like, if you're in this for any other reason that you just have to create something, whether somebody pays you or not, Odds are you're not gonna make it unless you. It'd be like winning the lottery. Otherwise, yeah. Uh, you know. It, well, I was then, watching. A, sorry, I was watching a, a documentary with Spielberg one night. And it, 
I'm not a big fan of Spielberg. It was in the 70s, of course. He's a fucking god. Yeah. To, you know. Yeah, sure. But when I look back, and a lot of these guys, he was making movies with little 8 millimeter cameras yes. for years, right? So the way he becomes a 20-something-year-old, he's a big director, but he was doing it since he was about fucking 10, right? Yeah. And I go, how can I expect any less that if I just really put a commitment in and take the last 10 years? That's like me being from 10 to 20. So I shouldn't deserve to get anywhere unless I put that commitment in there and then eventually make a living, you know. And, and I don't know how this fits into the end of this, but sometimes I hear people say, well, yeah, but just because you put time in and I go, no, I think that might just be it because case in point, let's look at Roger Corman. I don't think anybody's going to argue that Roger Corman films are artistically great. They are a niche, but you know what? he learned how to go in there and they once this is your budget you have 30 days make it and i go that work ethic led to roger corman is a rich man who gets to yeah. do what he wants yeah. to do and and some of the best filmmakers came out of the roger corman school of all time for francis Paul Coppola, for jack nicholson for jonathan demi for uh would you call him uh ron howard you know that was a film school and for actors, that was uh, the iconic cinemas came out of Roger Corman skill. And he owns the rights to most of these movies. So some of them are remade in really? Death Race and, you know. It's that so, work ethic. It's, it's the... Yeah. Uh, and I guarantee you, like, uh, it might happen on a rare, rare occasion. But anybody that you see that is like a breakout, first time, whatever, I guarantee you they're not. Like, if you look up their INDB page, they might have their first hit... But they have a list of things that they've worked on that you're like, oh, they were in all this stuff. I've never heard of them before. Like Margot Robbie was around for years yeah. doing projects and shows and little parts. And then all of a sudden she gets Wolf of Wall Street and she blows up. But that's not like she just broke out in the one movie. Like she's been working her ass off all these years. So and I saw in a series called Pan Am and it wasn't a particularly yeah. good series. Yeah, I saw before, it. Before well. then suddenly a few years later, boom, she's a movie star. Do you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, um, you well, know, you know. I always think about, uh, I don't ever put anybody down on this. I mean, I might behind the scenes between some of But case in point, um, I constantly get uh, an email or I'll run into somebody and they will say, or even people that have been on some of my projects, uh, you know, I want to do something on my own, but I just don't know how. Or And I always go, dude. I can guarantee you one thing, whether it's writing a book, whether it's doing a movie, whether it's acting, there are a million real reasons why you shouldn't and you can't. That's a fact. <laughs> I can tell you right now a million why I can't make this movie. But then some of us still go ahead and keep doing it. And I think because, that's yeah. a big, big difference in I can look at people. I'm proven wrong sometimes, but I go, that person didn't go make it because all I hear from them are all the reasons. Well, I'm too tired. I work two jobs or, you know, mm -hmm. right now is the pet sick. And I go, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But who do you? But I think that's what we're saying. If you don't have to do it, right. yeah. don't. Just right. forget it. <laughs> if, you, if, you have, if you have to think, look, we all have to make money, but at the start, you have to think about how to make money elsewhere. Oh, yeah. It's that simple. So if oh, you, you know have to what? do this. Oh, no, you know. Good, good. Then I have to give you a compliment because one of my favorite things, and I had never had this before until you were on set, uh, I couldn't figure out this one scene. And what I had wanted, the thing that we built wasn't working. 
And I remember there was somebody else on my movie set who was just like, no, well, no, no, you can't. And I was just like, and I was like, man, there got to be something. And you were like, yeah, yeah, you know, you could do this, this, or this. And I was like, yeah, you know what, I could do that. And I went, that's the difference. Yeah. You know, the person that was with us that was going, oh, well. Uh, you know, it's I'm over. Like, I'm like, Pack it up. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I guess in one sense you're right. I mean, yeah, that is fucking broke. That ain't gonna work. So I guess what? Screw it. Everybody go home. We're done. Movie's over. But uh yeah, yeah. you have to have that um, like wag the dog, Dustin Hoffman and wag the dog. This is nothing. This is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> It's like um you have to be a problem solver. It's fucking simple, you know. Even yeah. when you know in the back of your head, this scene is fine. <laughs> it's fine. We got it. Let's move on. It's perfect. We got this. You know. Perfect. No, you didn't see where I had the camera pointed. You got a big idea. Yeah, somebody's gave you a card and the car gets delivered and it just fucking blows up and it's on fire. You know what? We got this. I wanted that car and fucking fire anything. Exactly. We got this. Exactly what I was going for. <laughs> oh, oh man. All right, well, that's right. an hour, guys. Thank you so much for everyone that was watching. Um, hey, good luck at what you're doing, David. Yeah, really quick again. Thank so, you. Um, it's good to use as well. We are, uh, I'm Nicole Alonzo, Socom Award. We're working on Crawl or Die. You can visit crawlordietrilogy.com if you'd like to see our projects. And David? Um, my name is David Wild. I'm working on, at the moment, a series called Crane Lords, which is a cranelordseries.com um, if you want to find out about it there. So. Thanks. And thanks for everybody that's listened and comments. And uh, when this recording goes out, if we haven't caught, I'll go back and look at the comments and stuff, you know. All right, guys. And we will, we'll see you guys again uh, probably next week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Thanks, <laughs> Catch you soon. Catch you later. Bye.